Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about it, i tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? And, and through that, we, we really got to explore, like, where are we happiest? What is important for us in our daily life and, and the way that we live? And, and when we came home, it changed our whole perspective on how we wanted to live in Canada. That's nice. I, I, very rarely do I hear of people taking that level of care and, and um, precision over, over finding what they truly want. How do you find what you truly want? It takes time and planning. Our conversation is the story of a man who set out in life to find what it was he wanted before committing to a path. Jordan Tate was born in Canada and had a wonderful, loving outdoor childhood. His father was a carpenter and the perfect role model to show that it's possible to build or fix anything. He went to university, unclear about what he wanted to do, so he chose geography, the human side, which is all about a broad education about people and the places. On leaving university, Jordan started a home painting business, saving every dollar for six months until he hit his target, and then the business would go on hold while he went travelling. Over the next five years, he got to visit over 40 countries, living the backpack lifestyle. He learned so much on these travels, and he was a different person every time he came home. He says university teaches you to become the average person. Travel teaches you to become someone different. There was loads of synchronicities that happened during his travels, and while there were low points, nothing bad really happened, which indicates to me how much in flow he was while on this journey of discovery. By his mid-twenties, the idea of being a painter for life did not fit with his dreams of who he was or who he had become. However, a coaching opportunity appeared where he could coach people to start their own painting businesses, and that was much more interesting. And that's a shout out to LinkedIn, where he was headhunted for that role. It opened doors to scratch the travel itch as he travelled all over the US and Canada. However, it is interesting how travelling for yourself feeds the soul, but travelling for work every week eventually leads to burnout. Now with a partner, they both decided to quit their jobs and travel to Australia just before lockdown. 
Australia's tough initial reaction and closing of the country worked in their favour and it led them to allow them to discover how they wanted to live life when they returned to Canada. On their return, they bought a 21-foot school bus and sought about converting it and then set out to explore the wild places of Canada. It's a lovely story that shows how purposeful intention is the path to build the life you want. Today, Jordan runs his own coaching business, He calls himself the business and lifestyle coach and he helps underpaid, overworked owners grow their incomes while working fewer hours. His mission is to help business owners create an intentional business that balances financial success with personal fulfillment. That means earning the money you deserve and having the time and freedom to enjoy your ideal lifestyle. So let's join the conversation with Jordan. Jordan, where did it all begin for you? So I, I live in Canada, in mm-hmm. uh, Vancouver, near um, the ocean and, and the mountains. And I had a beautiful, you know, upbringing here, living outdoors, surrounded by my friends and family. Sounds idyllic. And yeah, honestly, really, really beautiful start to my life. And um, where I really started to come into myself as a like, independent person was when I went to university started learning about the world, started getting interested in travel and all these other things. And what was the, what, go, go, I like to go slow it down a little bit because what, what was the sort of things that happened to you as a child? What was the sort of things you were interested in as a child? I was always a hands-on child. My dad was a carpenter. Mm-hmm. So I grew up building Lego and then helping him on projects from a very early age. And Nice. It led me to throughout my life. I've I've always been handy, and I've always loved fixing things, making things look better. And you know, tinkering. I think there's a real sense that when you when you have that role model of a father that can do stuff, you you kind of it's not a stretch for you to do it yourself. You kind of see it's possible. Yeah, he showed me you can you can fix anything, you can build anything. He was mm. building houses, but then also building movie sets. So some early memories I have would be going on these movie sets where he's working on X-Men and get to go see what the inside of. Oh, how exciting. That like. You must've been a popular, popular lad. Yeah. So it, it kind of created this, you can just, you can figure out how to do this stuff. It just takes time. And it's been one of the best skills I've ever learned because mm. even though now I work as a coach and I'm on zoom all day and I'm talking to people outside of that, I love, renovating fixing things I've, I've done a camper myself and different things like that so it's a fun skill and i get to help other people with it mm, often nice nice so obviously you did high school and those bits and pieces as all the, the, the canadian equivalent so what what attracted you in university what did you decide to study so i studied geography and the 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 course load was really diverse some courses were on regions of the earth so studying like what's the arctic like what's south america like other geography parts of it is a funny subject to me well what is, what is i mean you know i remember geography is like you know maps and, and 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 features and this sort of stuff what what is how how do you do that at university level is it is it because is it, is it, it breaks off into geology and those other kind of things i guess so there's there's really two branches, physical geography, which is how does the earth work, you oh, know, yeah. rocks and mountains, all this stuff. I was more interested in human geography, which is really about the intersection of culture and history and economics and politics. So it's very broad. Mm. And 
I wouldn't have called that photography myself, but it's interesting because it's kind of moving into that human dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, it's there's overlap with Mm. with uh, archaeology, anthropology, you know, all these different things. But I didn't know what I wanted to be. So geography gave me this really broad education and exposed me to all different culture, all different history, all different parts of the world. And when I got out of university, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. But I did know that I wanted to travel. And that Mm -hmm. was what I I really committed my 20s to was exploring the world. Where did you get to? So I I went to 40 countries over about five years. I would I would do four or five month trips backpacking. I would find a region of the world. I'd go to Europe and I'd take my time on buses and trains and, and work my way around. Then I'd go to South America and Australia and Asia. And I just, I, I knew at that time, I don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need to travel. And I need to explore. And that's how I learned more about myself and more about the world than I ever did in, in university even. How did you fund that? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I, I started a painting business where I was a painter and painting homes. And I would basically save every dollar I earned in the hopes that, you know, over six to eight months, I could save 10 or 15,000 was usually my goal. And as soon as I hit that, I would <clears throat> shut down my business, get on the road and start backpacking and living as cheap as I could. So living on, you know, 30 to $40 a day, 50 if I was in a more expensive <clears throat> country, sleeping in hostels, eating cheap, and just walking everywhere and exploring. Sounds like um, um, something to do when you're young. <laughs> yes. I'm really happy I did it when I, at the time, because now I'm in a different phase in my life. Still love travel, but I, I just can't do it in the same way. It costs significantly more. It takes a lot more planning and organization to step away from my life. Mm. But... At the time, there was nothing I cared about more than than travel and being out in the world. And mm-hmm. it taught me so much about myself that then when I came home, I was able to create the life I wanted to live because I was learning what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what kind of lifestyle is appealing, what do I not want? And it helped inform me in a way that I never got that in university or in high school mm-hmm. when I was just getting the training on how do you be- how do you become like everyone else? How do you become the average person? So I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there are some amazing stories of your travels. I mean, with the highs and low points of the travels. I mean, with the points where you kind of go, oh, I don't really doing this anymore. Yeah, I mean, so many highs. Honestly, I I had this lucky streak of. <clears throat> I would, without knowing it, end up in a city and it would be the national holiday or it would be a big celebration or like one of the biggest highlights of my whole life was being in Spain, in Madrid, when they won the Euro Cup in soccer and 100,000 people were partying in the streets and swimming in fountains and like I just happened to be there at the right time, you know, Mm. so things like that were always special. Um, But really it was about connecting with great people and, you know, finding that I had stuff in common with people from all over the world that really helped me see that we're all very similar. We all have very similar wants and desires and everything. 
And I guess it was this recently in the last, how many years ago was this your travel, your travel days? Because, sorry, you don't look that old. You know, as a, as a, for me, <laughs> yeah. as a man in my 60s, you don't look that old. <laughs> this is the, my big backpacking trips were primarily my early 20s, between 23 and 27. Yeah. Now I'm 32. Okay. I, I still <laughs> travel as often as I can. Okay. I, I do so these are the days different. when you did have a phone and you did have internet access and you you weren't yes. completely cut off from the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, when I, I was really... a, when I was alive, when you went backpacking and traveling, that's it. You just walked out the door and said, "See, I had to tell our mum," and, and that was it. They didn't hear from you for six months. You know, it's like there was no no connecting with you. There were big times when I wished it was harder because mm -hmm. it's actually so easy now. You know, you just you can land in any city, yeah. you pull out Google Maps. and A friend of mine who was, who was traveling around the Middle East at the time, I mean, we're talking in the, in the 80s, maybe early, in the 80s it would have been. So this is before mobile phones. Um, I mean, he could have died in the desert and no one would ever known where he was because he was sleeping in a pipe in the desert. Mm -hmm. And uh, a military convoy came by with tanks. And for some reason, they chose not to go over the pipe. Had they gone over the pipe, he'd have just been a squashed mess under this pipe and buried, and no one would ever know he existed or he was there. Different, different world, different world. But so, what was the high? What was the what was the low points of your traveling traveling years? Low points were usually either getting sick, mm. you know, getting a, an, a parasite or yeah. or something like that that knocked me down for weeks at a time. Sometimes mm. I got one a bad one in Mexico that I, I thought I was going to die. Obviously, I was. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't keep water down even for a week and, and I lost 10 pounds and when you're sick and you're away from your family and you're in a cheap hostel it's just not a great environment so that was low and then usually it was also difficult travel days where you're on a bus for 18 hours mm. and it's hot and mm. or your flight's delayed and you get like sleeping in airports and things like that Luckily, I've never had, you know, I've never been robbed or mugged. I've never been in a fight. I've never had anything truly bad happen. Mm, it was nice. more just the, just the, the lows that happened. Mm. So, okay, you did your traveling. What happened when you got home? Did you did you pack up the pack your suitcase away and, and settle down to a career? Yeah, I, I would come home and I was always a little bit <laughs> different every time after each trip. I'd grown a bit. I was more clear on what I wanted. So I what I realized was the painting business I had, which was so great for having freedom and control of my time, wasn't the path I wanted to continue on. I didn't want to keep building that as a as my career. So I felt a little lost in my mid-20s and then ended up finding a job that changed my life. And that was becoming a business coach, teaching other people how to run a painting business. So I was working with a franchise business where they sold new painting businesses with a brand and everything. And I was responsible for teaching them all the, the parts of how do you launch a business? How do you market and sell and hire and end to end? And then coaching them through that over a few years. Kind of made for you, isn't it? As an ex-painting business operator. Truly. I didn't even know it existed. And when I found how, that job. How did you I, discover, how did you find that opportunity? They actually found me on LinkedIn. Oh, right. And I'm so grateful that I even had a LinkedIn at the time because it wasn't something I'd thought much about or invested very much time in, but I had a LinkedIn profile that said I was a painting business owner and I'd gone to university. And that those were the two requirements that this company was looking for. So I didn't come in with the, you know, the deep business knowledge of an MBA or a business degree, but they taught me those skills over the next four years. And I spent 
a lot of time, two to three weeks a month, traveling all over North America for work, visiting businesses, coaching them, training them. And again, I, I ended up seeing over half of the US and Canada uh, all being paid for through a company. So it, it was a nice fit for continuing to give me that travel. Scratch the travel itch, didn't it, for you? Yeah, even though I was in more of a, a stable career at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that where you are? To, is that is that it? Is that the journey you've been on? Or are you, have you, is there more to this? No, no. I think the most interesting part was yet to come. So I eventually did burn out on that work travel because it was exhausting. Some days my commute to work was 12 hours in airports to get from Vancouver to New Jersey. And then I'd be in a, you know, a bad hotel on a side of a highway. And... Didn't they know about Zoom in those days? <laughs> it was it was a little early, but I ended up physically and mentally burning out from that experience. I just couldn't, every time I went on the road, my sleep would disrupt. I couldn't eat as clean. I couldn't exercise. So I finally reached a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And my partner reached the same point in her job at the same time. So we quit our jobs and we moved to Australia with savings and a plan to reset our lives and then like, really figure out for us, how do we want to move forwards? It was a really unique experience because we were in it together at the same time. Mm. And the Australia that, is a very different culture from Canada. It's different, but it's similar enough. I mean, mm. obviously the language is the same, but I, I found Australians so welcoming, so generous. And so it was an easy transition. Mm -hmm. But the, the biggest thing that happened was the month we moved there was the month that COVID hit. It was February, 2020. So. Okay. We, we land there with this whole plan of we're just going to travel and have freedom and explore. And then within a month, it was full lockdowns, borders closed. And luckily, we had friends in Brisbane who said, you know, you can come and stay with us rather than flying home because we'd worked so hard to get there that we yeah. thought if we give up after a month, it would be a shame. At the time, we had no idea what COVID was or how serious it was going to become. So we ended up locking down with our friends and... We lived with them for two months and it was really fun experience actually because we were you know we were in it together and we played board games and everything every night but what australia did differently and better than most of the rest of the world was they closed borders and they had no flights coming in and they fully eliminated covid in the state that i was in in queensland so that after those two months we were free again and the rest of the world was in these intermittent lockdowns and yeah. restrictions and pretty soon we were sitting at bars connecting with different people and not feeling any risk, yeah. not wearing masks and everything. So yeah. we had this very strange experience of freedom while watching our friends and family back home struggling. Uh, we bought a, you know, a cheap used car, we got some camping gear, and then we just spent six months driving everywhere, thousands and thousands of kilometers, going to beaches and forests and you know, exploring every inch of the coastline that we could find and, and exploring different types of life. So we did house sits and farm stays. We, we stayed in cities. We stayed in coastal towns. And, and through that, we, we really got to explore, like, where are we happiest? What is important for us in our daily life and, and the way that we live? And, and when we came home, it changed our whole perspective on how we wanted to live in Canada. 
That's nice. I, I very rarely do I hear of people taking that level of care and, and um, precision over, over finding what they truly want. Yeah, it's a it's a long process. Yeah. And I know it's a it's a privileged process to be yes. able to step away from work and your life and to have that space. But we were living very, very cheap. And as we were going, we were also doing some remote work and getting some jobs and stuff to keep funding it. But yeah, the ability to go and stay on a farm for two weeks and experience what that was when we'd lived in a city our whole lives was very fun and, and eye-opening. Mm. So what did you discover when you got back? What we discovered was we actually were more happy outside of a city than we thought. And mm. both of us had always lived in Vancouver, which is a city of a million people, so it's not too big. But we'd always lived there and we always thought we have to be in the city. That's where life is. That's where our businesses are. That's where our the family and friends are. That's where the action is. Yeah, Nightlife, what, the bars. what we realized through COVID and, and the space that we gained was we're actually happier out of a city and with access to a city because we still want to have, you know, all the fun stuff. But we also realized like we could live in a small city. We could live in a small town. And we also realized that we wanted to have this local exploration that we had done in Australia, but back in British Columbia where we live. So we bought an old school bus and we, during COVID lockdowns in Vancouver, when we got home, we spent four months renovating that and turning it into this beautiful camper where we could live and work and travel. School, are you talking about the big yellow school buses that the classic Americans? Not the full size, but it's 21 feet long. Nice. That's a big so bus. So it's like a short bus, Yeah, but it's got a, you know, a full bed and a kitchen and a, a table to work at. And wow. So then we kind of recreated our Australia lifestyle. We we spent the next year exploring all the islands here, the mountains, all these little towns that we'd, we'd experienced growing up, but we had never thought about, could we be here? We basically just continued to experiment with is our Canada, lifestyle. Is Canada responsive to bus life? Can you do that without causing yourself all sorts of problems? Oh, yeah. It's, it's ideal. Oh, because as soon as you get out of Vancouver, you're in pretty much endless nature. Nice. You can pull up anywhere. You can camp on a river or the ocean. And through that experience, we found where we live now, which is called Gibson's. It's a little town of 5,000 people, just an hour from Vancouver, but very different living. Like I live in a forest. There's farms around. I can be at the beach in a few minutes. And then I can go back to the city once a month and get that energy and the connection that I need. So it was all very transformational going through that experience. Mm. How did you fund all of that? I mean, renovating a school bus cannot, cannot be a, a, a low-cost adventure. It actually was. The bus was 5000 The renovations cost 5000 because we did everything ourselves and we were thrifting and mm -hmm. doing it pretty low, uh, low budget. And then we had to repair the engine because yes. that's why the bus was so it's cheap. The bus was 5000 The engine was nasty. So it was, <laughs> was 15000 all in to get it up and running. And... Outside of a couple little repairs since then, it's it's served us really well. Nice. And, you know, anytime we feel the need to get away, we just walk out the door and, and it's there and we're ready to go. So and so you're now you you found this place in a new town. And, and what is it you're doing? Are you, are you now working online? I mean, what, did, what did you decide to do with yourself? So that was the second part of, of Australia for us was 
once we realized that we wanted to be in motion and, and we like to be exploring, we both started remote businesses. So my partner started a marketing business and I started a remote coaching and consulting business. And that the whole point of those businesses were we want to be able to work from anywhere we want, whenever we want. Yeah. We want to have the opportunity to travel, you know, every month, even if it's for a weekend or a week. Nice. And we want to we want to use the skills that we developed in our corporate jobs for ourselves and for our own, you know, benefit and growth. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And how long have you been operating those two things? So my partner for four years now, I did, uh, I joined a consulting business with two partners that I'd worked with previously and worked there for three years and got a, an, a bunch of amazing business experience. I, I worked as a CEO, I worked as project manager and a coach and a trainer and was exposed to way more businesses than I had even before. And it really expanded me beyond the painting industry into business in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and then since then, this this summer, I actually left that and started my own current business, which is called The Intentional Business. And it's coaching for small business owners who want to build a similar uh, lifestyle to what we've built, which is freedom and balance first, and then financial success and growth second. Because I see a lot of people put it the other way and they think, if I work unbelievably hard, I can make enough money to buy back my freedom and my time later. And my perspective has been, if you prioritize your freedom and your time first, you can enjoy your life more and you can have this sustainable business that will grow and will perform, but you'll enjoy the ride more. You've kind of answered the next question already. So it's about the success perspective. So what is success for mm -hmm. you? Success for me is having complete autonomy over my time mm. and the ability to use my time on the things that matter most to me, mm. which is travel and my friends and family and taking care of my health. Mm. So I will never put my business success before those three things. It is fascinating as people kind of, you say people like they, they look to build a successful business or a, a, a you know, financial successful business at the expense of everything else and then wonder why they can't get back to everything else afterwards because the machine they built wasn't designed for that. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult experience and I've seen a lot of people go through it and it's, there are financial needs and the world is getting more and more expensive. But the problem I've seen is if, if you get stuck there for too long, if you're working too hard and you don't enjoy your life through the process because you're grinding, eventually people burn out they quit, they they suddenly hate their business and they they have to then make a really dramatic change. Mm. It's hard at that point, the, but we're sold this idea that like the path to success, the path to retirement is work as hard as you can, save as much money as you can, and then enjoy your life later once you've got the, once you've earned the freedom. That's I think the key that the point, world, isn't it, Lewis? The key point is to enjoy the entire journey. Yeah. And then, and there's no such, then there's no such thing as retirement. You don't need to retire. You just literally just you just migrate and change and do things that do other things in your life. It's not retirement. It's it's changing from one stage to the next. Exactly. And that's where like the the Australia trip, I looked at it as like a mini retirement. It was mm. like a re a resetting and a and a new direction. And I'd love to do another one of those in the next two years and go live I mean, in another country. You know, the retirement thing, you can understand where retirement came from. When, you, when everybody did 
hard physical labour, when the majority of people did hard physical labour, the idea was you retired at 60 and you were dead by 65. You know, your body was worn out. You had to stop at 60. I mean, and there's an old thing here. I mean, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't even know it in your country, but in, in, in this country, years ago, like, like in the last century, all old farmers, all old farmhands, when they retired, were given two sticks, two walking sticks. Mm. Because it was already known, because they were lifting massive bags of wheat onto the truck every single day. By the time they reached 60, their knees were gone. And, you know, they would... They would need these two sticks. It's just a retirement present they all got. Because you know, the bodies were just worn out. So obviously nowadays, most people are going to survive into their 70s, 80s, and possibly even their 90s. Yeah, we live in a very different world. And I think that there's never been a more you know, free moment to define your ideal work and life. But in the process of that, we do have to start planning and preparing for it early. You've prepared for it rather earlier than I, most people do, I have to admit. <laughs> in your I, early I think 30s. for me, a big <laughs> part of it was watching my dad, you know, work as a carpenter his whole life. And as, just as you said, get to 65 <clears throat> and be physically just broken with arthritis, with pain. And the, I saw the toll it had taken on him. So I, that was a big part of my decision to end the painting business was I, I, I realized working physically your whole life is not a great path to if you want longevity and you want to feel physically you know strong your whole life. And second was I watched him retire with almost no money because working for someone else for a small hourly amount, you never dig out of the hole. And I realized then I need to be my own boss. I need to be my own owner. I need to choose what I'm worth mm. and, and get more money for my time so that when I am older, I can I can take these mini retirements or I can live the life I want to live mm -hmm. without being beholden to somebody else. I mean, your father's generation, they just basically, and they, they closed their business and sold their tools. They never, they never built a thing they could sell. Mm -hmm. And the resources were different. Mm. And, and, you know, we're so blessed with what, is available on the internet. You can learn how to do anything. You can get any skill. Mm -hmm. And there's much more awareness that, you know, at 25, you could live any life you want to live if you make those choices. So that's a big part of my, like my philosophy and what I help other business owners do with my coaching is help them when they find themselves in that place where they're struggling and they see that this path isn't the path I want to be on and it's not ending up where I wanted it to be. It's how do you reset? How do you refocus mm. on why am I doing this? What's most important to me? And then how do you make a couple of intentional changes so you can work less, make the money you want to make, and actually attain that freedom that you've given away? Mm, absolutely. So what would you say was the main passion thing that's driving or has been driving you throughout, throughout your life? The biggest overarching passion has always been personal development, personal growth learning how to take better care of myself, learning how to develop valuable skills, and then learning how to share it with other people. So up until 25 and 26, I was really internally focused. I was like, I need to improve. I need to grow. I need to take better care of myself. Since then, I still maintain those things. And I'm really focused on healthy habits and my routine. But now I'm in a, a mode where I want to share it with other people as much as I can because I've 
I've read hundreds of books. I've listened to thousands of hours of podcasts and I've had so many conversations with people on this stuff that I don't want to just hoard it for myself. I want to mm. share it. And that's where as a business coach, I, I can help people with like the business side, but I also have life coaching training because often if your business is struggling, your life is, is also struggling. And so I'm, I'm now trying to, you know, bridge those two sides and, and make it more holistic than just you have a business here and you have a life there. It, it, it's really, there's a lot of overlap. There is no, there is no barrier. That's the line from my Not anymore. No there is no difference. Yeah. It's just, you know, every day is just a flow for me. For, for me, it's a flow into one, really, whether I'm making breakfast or making a podcast, there's no difference to it. It's like mm-hmm. you and I, when we met, I was surprised this was a podcast conversation today because it didn't show up in my phone as a podcast. And I was a bit confused <laughs> by that. But, you know, it, it makes no difference to me. It's like, OK, well, I'll just we can roll with that. And that's it, it just changes how we how we perspe- perceive things. Whereas I have some people who are so focused. I met some people who are so, no, 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 this is how it is. This is how it is. And then I have to stop at a certain time. It's like, yeah. It's interesting when you meet people like that who 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 who, who run their day by their clock. Totally. Well, it's yeah. four o'clock. I have to be doing this at this time. I like to treat it all as an experiment. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if something's not working, I pay really <clears throat> close attention through meditation and journaling and reflection. And, if something's bothering me and it's repeating itself daily or weekly, I'm burning out or I'm not taking care of something. I pay attention and I say, okay, what's, what's causing this and what could I try that would make it feel better? Mm. And that could be, I'm not going to wake up to an alarm anymore. That's, that's one of my big ones that changed my life. I found that waking up to an alarm was jarring and I was starting my day with the wrong energy so now I don't wake up to an alarm and my mornings are very different. My energy is very different in the beginning of the day. And I just try it. Like it doesn't have to be a long-term commitment, but if it works, I kind of layer it into my lifestyle. Another one I did recently was I realized drinking a couple of cups of coffee first thing in the morning was giving me energy, but it was, it was making me feel a little bit too frantic, too urgent. And I was rushing through my mornings. So again, I, I said, okay, I'm just going to try for a week, no coffee. I'm just going to try what that feels like. And it immediately, it it brought me more present, more grounded. My days feel nice and calm. And that's the energy I really want to bring to my work and to my life. So experiment and and try it because what I've learned through all my travels and everything I've done is that we're really bad at thinking our way to the solution and, you know, thinking, this is how I am. This is what I like. This is what will work. We have to just try things. We have to experiment in the world. I have to say, you you come across as very calm. I I don't think anything would phase you. That's the sense I get from you. I get a, a very sense of someone that's very much relaxed about things. But no, I, I haven't, I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen you in crisis, so I don't know if you're a headless chicken at that point or not. But you don't you, you don't appear as though you would be bothered or phased by it. <laughs> I have high, high patience and I definitely am the person in the, if a crisis happens, who's, who's trying to think calmly and logically about, okay, what should we do? I'm not a person who panics or, you know, I do get overwhelmed occasionally. Like there's, you know, anytime there's big, big challenges, but I've, I've worked really hard to cultivate that. I notice as I get older, my fuse gets short sometimes, particularly if I'm, if I'm frustrated by something and, I, and, and I'm hungry. Mm. Two things, I'm hungry and the fuse <laughs> and, and I'm frustrated, then I get short. I notice that one. 
And my wife says to me, you're getting hangry. Go and eat something. <laughs> For me, it's, it's if I've had a bad sleep. <laughs> Every, everything is harder the next day. Mm, I know, absolutely. So look, uh, well, my next question is one on contribution. And, you know, so there's the contribution. So how do you contribute to the world? Well, I know the answer to that. I'm sure most of our listeners have guessed it as well. But let's hear how you feel you contribute to the world. I view my contribution as helping other people achieve their goals and live the life they want to live, mm -hmm. both through coaching, which is for me the most powerful tool I've found for growth and mm -hmm. change in our life, and through training and and conversations and being a role model. So whether that's mentoring younger younger people or providing free training and free ideas and content. I'm always looking at ways to help other people see something slightly differently. Yeah. You know, ask a question that helps them see, oh, I've been I've been in the wrong mindset on this thing and I need to change my approach. And I love I, I truly love coaching so much. Like when I finish a coaching session with somebody, I'm lit up, I'm energized to to help someone on their own path in in whatever way they need. That's where I, I view my biggest contribution. I always find the same thing. And the reason I know why that's so positive is because you can see this amazing, exciting opportunity and you don't have to do the work. They do. That's what it's about, Rez. It's, so it's one of the most... But it is. You've got this wonderful opportunity. But, and, and the reality is I don't have to do the work I, and I can share the joy of them having to do it. <laughs> but It's a very interesting skill, coaching, because yes. it's... Yeah, it's like you say, like, I'm I'm there with them and I'm and I'm helping them, but but really they're helping themselves and they're learning how to do the stuff that they want and and, and a change that they can make for themselves could could propel them way well, further than if yeah, I just I, I think it's also about it. permission, isn't it? It's on some level when they're with a coach, it's about allowing themselves that someone gives them permission to do something that they want to do. Another human says to them, well, you can do it if you want to. Oh, can, can I? But it's like when someone gives them that affirmation, it's, it, it somehow releases something. It is weird, though. Yeah, we it? stop. Yeah, go on. We, we stop doubting and the fear, which so many people are, are limited by, and I was really limited by earlier in my life. We, we finally get out of our own head, and when we talk it through, and when we start to unravel our thought patterns, our limiting beliefs and our fears with a coach, we realize I've been the one holding myself back. Nothing else has. And that's where there's that freeing feeling. And then, yeah, there's accountability to taking action and, and doing the things. But like you say, giving permission and realizing the only thing you need to achieve your goals and do literally anything that you want in your <clears> life <throat> is to get out of your own way. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, it is. That's all you need. Yeah. What is also fascinating for me is how people can hear something many, many times and not take action on it. And suddenly they hear it in a slightly different way from someone who's not their mother, not their father, not, not someone who has significance in their life. And yet they take action on it. That always amazes me how it's the same words. But something makes a difference. And it's the what is that something? I think it's trust. Yeah. Trusting that person, either that person has lived the experience 
you want to live or has the like the knowledge that you want to have mm. you know it's it's very easy you get advice from parents and friends who don't really understand your situation don't really understand what you're trying to do mm-hmm. so it's easy to say like well why would i trust you on this but if you meet somebody who's living the life you want to live who solved the problem you want to solve there's a new trust mm. that oh yeah that's there's more evidence that i can trust this person Mm, that's probably true. Mm, fascinating. So contribution has two sides to that coin. There's a side about putting out into the world, but we're not really here to put out into the world. We're here for our own benefit. So how do you contribute to yourself? That's a really good question. I would say through my routine and the healthy habits I've developed, mm-hmm. I every day I have a couple things that I do that help me remain energized and calm and and in the headspace that I want to live in. And that's waking up with no alarm, meditating for 15 to 20 minutes every day, going out for walks in nature, and then eating quite healthy and exercising in different forms, whether that's yoga or weightlifting or running. Those are the things that I've found over my whole life that each one of those, if I, if I don't do it in a day, my day is a little worse and my energy is a little lower and so some people feel like that's a lot of things to have to do every day you know I might commit one and a half to two hours a day to self-care and and taking care of my mental and physical health but I look at that as the most important investment I make and when I don't do those things especially if I don't do it over a week or more whether I'm sick or whatever I feel it so substantially that I realize to be the person I want to be today and 20, 30, 40 years from now, it starts with those simple things that are all free mm-hmm. and that I have the ability to do each day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, and it is about self-care in the day. When we look after ourselves, we're, we're, we're available for ourselves and for other people without looking after ourselves. We're never available for no one. Which is back yeah. to this conversation about success, lesson. really. It is back to something. You know, when people burn themselves out trying to achieve success, they're available for no one. And I've been there, which is part of why I'm so, so maybe extreme in some people's view on, on my healthy routines, my habits, is because I, I did burn out. And I remember having insomnia and, and eating poorly and feeling terrible and foggy. Nasty. And so I, I know what that is, and I won't ever let that happen again no, when i see it in other people i feel a big desire to help them break free of that because when you're in it you feel lost and hopeless mm. and you don't know how to help yourself no, and it's simple things mm, it really is so the final question well no it's not the final question it's, it's one of our last questions is this, this is about meaning and about why we do stuff and and that can be and that's basically your connection to spirituality and that can be God, religion or what have you. But what is, what is, what is the meaning of it all for you? It's like the greater question, what, what is humanity for? But I'm not sure we can actually solve that one today. So what is it for you? <laughs> this is the question that I, I carried with me through all my travels. You know, it was the question driving me was what is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? Yeah. And I remember feeling overwhelmed for many years up until 27 28 about i don't know my purpose and i'm not living in alignment with my purpose that was constant thoughts in my head Mm -hmm. 
And ultimately what I realized through traveling, through personal growth, and then my, my coaching is for me, the meaning is living my best life, like taking care of myself to the best of my abilities so that I can help other people do the same. And I'm, I'm not trying to change a million lives and I'm not trying to get a million followers. I, but if I can help a few people around me, my friends, my family, my, my coaching clients, feel better about themselves, live a little bit better, achieve a goal that they thought was impossible. That's where I get all my meaning. And it's not about what I've always known is it's not about material possessions, financial success, any of those outward things. It's about, do you feel fulfilled? And do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you feel like you're helping other people? Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. If it works for you, that's all that matters. That's, that's the most important thing is that you have something that is something that you that gets you out of bed in the morning and keeps you moving. It's it's what drove me to leave the consulting business that I was in, which was a great business for me, great opportunity. I really enjoyed it, but I started to realize I'm just dragging myself through my day. I don't want to wake up and go to work. I'm trying to do the bare minimum to get through my stuff because I had shifted so much as a person in the period I was there that what drove me had changed. And so I left and started my coaching business. And now I'm, I truly can't wait to get to work in the morning. I, I can't wait to develop the stuff I'm doing. But I think the slippery thing about the question of meaning and purpose is that it changes. You know, I, I don't believe for a second that this is what I'm going to be doing every day for the rest of my life. I know that five years from now, I could be on a totally other path. Well, it's about belief, you see, and, and it's about the belief in the story. So it's the, it's the narrative which we build. I get the sense of it. It's like we lay a railway track down in front of us. So there's cartoon things with the guy. He's laying the track down as he's rolling along the track. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. We're actually doing that. We're actually building the story in front of us. Mm-hmm. And what happens to people is the story runs out and they don't, then they run out, but their box of track runs out. And then they start working, wondering when life doesn't work anymore. And then that's where meaning changes for us. Because once upon you know, some point, meaning can be over here, next minute it can be over there because we suddenly some a life shift has changed. But yeah, like, big, it's big, what we believe. Yeah, big things can happen that will yeah. derail us and, and change our path or interrupt us. But I think the problem, and we talked about this a little earlier, is that so many people put it off and say, I'm not happy now. I'm not happy in my job or my relationship or where I'm living or whatever it is, but it's, I can't change. Like I'm, I'm stuck in it right now. And therefore meaning and happiness and and fulfillment, all these things, they're something I'll try to get later in my life. And I, I just think that that's such a shame because you can live that from an early age all the way through your life versus outsourcing your happiness and your well-being and your fulfillment to a future date. And I know it's hard. I remember feeling stuck in a job for longer than I wanted to. But when you break free of that trap, when you convince yourself, I can do, I can do something different, I can take a new path, that's when you start to get more in alignment with your purpose and your meaning. Mm. I know for me, I'm, and we're talking 22 years ago now, um, I never saw myself as a parent. 
it was never something that was on the radar. I never was never interested in being a parent. So this is probably around the 2000 point. And so the millennium stuff. And, and, and so I, I always saw myself as being in business and, 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 and becoming more involved in the business I was in at the time and those sort of things. And then the story of parenting started for us. And it wasn't, it was, it was, it was like one day it was on and one day it was off because it, different story, but we never planned to have a child. And then when the opportunity came up, it was like, actually, this is quite a nice idea. And we both changed overnight. Our focus completely shifted and our whole perspective in life shifted in a space mm. of months. So it's, it's amazing what happens, how these things do shift. So how, how does that shift your meaning and, and what drove you? Well, my meaning at the time prior to that, my meaning was all about acquisition. It was about the house. It was about the house I was living in. It was about uh, what car I would buy next. It was about all those material things and about where we go on holiday next year. And then once my son came along, it was about parenting. It was about new friends of parenting. It was about what's going to be the best for him in the future. I mean, we left London at that point. I mean, within two years of him being born, we left London. We decided living in the big city wasn't the place we wanted to bring up a child. Mm. These are major changes in terms of focus and meaning for us. Whereas we didn't, we lived in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area which was a nice area, but there wasn't a lot of community. Suddenly community became important to us. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I've it has always... been a beautiful journey. Now, Now, he became my meaning in a way. Everything I did, and I became, I was a stay-at-home father. I worked from home deliberately so I could be with him and be part of his life. And so my wife and I arranged our lives around him so that we could be always be with him. Uh, and, you know, it, it has created an amazing bond between us all. Mm -hmm. um, I remember feeling when I was younger, like the path of life was, you, you know, you go to university, you pick your career, you get into your career, you do that for 40 years, you retire. And it's this very it's the American dream, isn't it? That's the American Yeah, this is this, this very straight line. And <clears throat> I remember feeling really dissatisfied with that. And like, I was failing at it early, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I just knew it wasn't for me. So I've really like spent time studying. I look at people who are 60, 70, 80, who are really happy, who are, who are full of joy when you see them and talk to them, which is not every senior. But when you, when I find those, I want to know like, what was your life? Like what was important to you? What experiences changed you? And that's helped me kind of define how I want to live now so that I can end up where they are. Mm. But I think it's, what I what I love now is what I've learned is that the path of life is way more varied and random and you can change totally. I could I could be in a totally different career living in a totally different place in three to four years from now. And I find that really liberating versus the I just have to show up and do the same thing for 40 years so that I can then enjoy my life later. I think that's that's a terrible trap. <laughs> Uh, and and some people like that, and and so it's. I really think some about... people need that level of routine and structure, and I and I yeah. and there's there's a certain there's a definite a certain um, security to that level of routine and structure. I think that's the point about it. It's security. People don't like the idea of being insecure because they want to know where their money's coming from and they're going to pay the bills, that sort of stuff. And I think it takes Great. a really certain set a sense of strength to be able to kind of go. I trust that the universe will look after me. With a bit of help, you know, you know, sort of like trust in Allah, but tether your camel, you know, sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's, I, I look, I just, I'm always trying to project forward. So, yeah. you know, I will, if I'm in a career or a job or in a situation and I project forward, what, where is my life in five years or 10 years if I just mm. keep doing this? If I don't like where that's taking me, if it feels limiting or something, then I want to try a different path. That's where business ownership was was critical for me. I knew I want I want control of my time and my money and my freedom. And and with that, there are trade-offs. There is times of insecurity. There is overcoming fears and and the responsibility of of being your own boss and growing your own business. Mm. But to me, those are the the amazing costs of the dream that I have versus the things that I would never, you know, I, I couldn't handle being stuck as someone else's employee again. Indeed. So um, what is it that you, I mean, obviously you're a coach and you, you say you coach business. What is it that you offer people and who are you looking to speak to? I primarily help small business owners in their first years before they get to a team of five or 10 or more. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really the people who started a business and worked really hard to get it off the ground, but then find themselves in that trap where they're working more than they want. Maybe they're making the money they want, but they're not happy with it. Or maybe they're not even making the money they want, but they're stuck and they're tired and they're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And there's all these really big feelings that they have. And I love helping free them from that experience. So working with fewer and how hours. is it that you free them what, what is your process is it is it a particular coaching model that you use or is it i mean how is there any way of of putting more flesh on that for people yeah great question it's i i do take a different approach with each person because if i look at my current clients some are hitting their financial goals but working too hard some are hitting their financial goals <laughs> but don't like the way they're working others are missing their financial goals but working way too hard and like so there's there's variety, but the way I distill it down is first mindset and, and and clarity on where you want to be going. So how are you keeping yourself trapped in this current situation? Because you feel like you can't let go. Yep. You feel like you can't slow down. You can't yep. take a break. And then second, then we look at their time, the way they're managing their time. And we really focus in on like, how are you, how, what's your schedule look like? What are your priorities? What are your boundaries? The things that most people struggle with, but when you put them in place, everything changes. And then the third piece is, is their money. So how are you managing your money? And, and this is an area where a lot of small business owners struggle. They, they believe that if I work harder, I'll make more money. And that's not always true in small business. And there's a couple of changes you can make. Investments in team members or systems or things like that that create way bigger returns than just you pushing and working more hours yourself. So kind of mindset and time and money, those are my three pillars. And then the way I approach it is, is individual with each person, depending on where they're coming from. Nice. So how is it, how is it that people can connect with you if they wish to? So I have a website, www.theintentionalbusiness.ca. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and LinkedIn is the place where I'm most active. I'm posting content every other day. I'm sharing what I'm learning and what I'm, what I'm experiencing. And on LinkedIn, you can find me under Jordan Tate, business coach. Nice. Well, yeah. Jordan Tate, thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me today. It's been a lovely journey exploring your life and your philosophies around coaching and 
just taking life as it comes by the sounds of it. Yeah, thank you, Paul. It's been a really good conversation. I love digging back into the past and kind of reliving some of those things that I haven't thought about in a while. Is there anything you want to add before we before you wind up? My biggest philosophy in business and in life is you have to define what's most important to you. And it's hard. And I and I remember feeling overwhelmed by that. But you have to define it and then build your life and your work around achieving it. Because if you don't, you will just chase what other people define as success. And you'll wonder why you're not happier. You'll wonder why that big bank account and that flashy car isn't fulfilling you in the way that the gardener down the street is. You know, it's there's you have to define it for yourself and you have to orient your life and your decisions around that. Perfect. Jordan Tate, thanks so much. All the best, my friend. Thank you. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Jordan Tate. If you'd like to catch up with Jordan, and I suggest you do, he's an interesting guy, you can find him on LinkedIn, Jordan Tate. You can also find him at his website, which is theintentionalbusiness.ca. All those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery and it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.